This is Templar Reflections, brought to you by Archangel Templar here on Anchor Radio or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, I'm your host, MJ Hannigan. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope you are uh, fine, healthy, uh, living large, living your dreams, uh, getting to your daily grind and making a difference in the world around you. I haven't done a Templar Reflections episode in a hot minute and I wanted to do it uh, in early February. I really wanted to do this episode but I never got around to it because I just had a lot of life events hit, you know, some awesome events, don't get me wrong, but some life events hit and I had to kind of back burner this episode and it's kind of a shame because I really should have done it on February 17th, Uh, but unfortunately I didn't get around to it. So here we are, we're gonna talk about it today. In our Jedi Realist community, uh we have some awesome people we have some great people we have some kick-ass people who are living that life and doing their grind and doing their best to make the jedi realist community a better place to be but more importantly they're working within their actual communities and you know working within their neighborhoods and you know doing some great service work uh doing outreach programs and you know, that's wonderful. But unfortunately, we also have people who are so obsessed with social media, so obsessed with Facebook, aka fake control of groups, that anytime somebody posts something that they don't like, or about people that they don't like, a lot of bullshit comes about, lies get spread, things get discussed, and unfortunately I still catch screenshots about things people say. So that's why this episode was actually important to me. It is a known fact within the Jedi Realist community that I'm in recovery. It is a known fact that in late 90s, early 2000s, I definitely had a drug problem. Never hit it. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it to hide because, dude, I've been to hell and back and I'm okay with my life. I'm okay with my path. And I managed to use Jedi Realist Radio and use my role within uh, American Jedi to promote, you know, Jedi Realism is a great life path and could better you and better the people around you. I have used uh, my addiction uh, as a way of communicating my message about how Jedi realism assisted with my life. And I have no regrets in, you know, admitting to that problem. I have no regrets in admitting that, you know, I'm a recovering drug addict. Uh, It's a known quantity. Now, the one thing I very rarely talk about are my days in addiction, or excuse me, rephrase, my days in active addiction. Um, Because for me, you know, A, in truth, it's my story, and it's none of anybody else's business. 
I do not want to glamorize uh, drug abuse. And I figured by talking about those days, I would be glamorizing it. And that's not the life I live. You know, my life isn't about 19 years ago when I was living in, act in active addiction. It's about what I've done with my life since. But for one reason or another, people, <sighs> instead of finding facts and going to the source, prefer to make up stories, prefer to say, well, I heard this or I heard that. And a lot of it, in truth, is complete and utter bullshit. If you want to know something about somebody, talk to that person. Don't talk to other people. But in any event, we're going to talk about my, my path in recovery. And we're going to start it off with a, a Star Wars quote from the book Kenobi. I might actually have this worded wrong. I, I didn't go back and fact check myself. But basically, Obi-Wan's talking to this dude uh, who totally jacked up his life and made a whole bunch of poor decisions. And Obi-Wan said, Sometimes a person must lose everything to figure out who they truly are. This quote speaks to me on a lot of levels. But most importantly, as a recovering addict, it speaks to me the most. Because back... In my younger days, in my late teens, early 20s, those were some great days. I mean, I was out in Las Vegas doing my thing, on my grind, and living life. Enjoying smoking weed every now and again because, you know, it was cool. It was what it was, right? We've all been there. We've all done that. We, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I could give my sob story about how I became an addict and it wasn't actually my fault. I could talk about my childhood. I could talk about, you know, being bullied when I was a teenager. And I could talk about how, you know, different aspects of that made me a drug addict. It wasn't my fault. It was this incident's fault. It was that incident's fault. And, you know, I could do that. But what would be the point? Because when you do that, instead of shifting the blame and taking responsibility for your choices, you're not taking responsibility. You're not taking the blame. You're just saying that, yeah, this happened to me, not I did this to myself. And in truth, I put myself completely in active addiction. Um, it was about the time that I lost my father. Again, I'm not blaming my father's death. It, my father's death had nothing to do with my active addiction. It was just about that time, um, at the time, I worked as a retail manager making like 40k a year, which doesn't sound like much now, but when you backtrack and realize we're talking about 2000, 2001, um, 40k was actually a big deal, especially, you know, not having a complete college education, only having a two-year degree. And, you know, it was 40000 a year when you're in your 20s, early 20s. It's like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. But in any event, so I had a great job in retail management uh, on Las Vegas Boulevard. Um, I had some kick-ass people. I had some good friends around me. And I was training, and I, I'm not going to name drop, A, my former employer, because it's not a good thing to do. 
and B, I'm not going to name drop the school I was training at uh, in my martial arts. But in any event, everything was actually badass. You know, great times, went out in Las Vegas a lot. Uh, sleeping has never been a thing for me. Even to this day, I sleep maybe four hours a day. But back then, sleeping four hours a day was even too much. And any event, my life was great. You know, I was successful. Uh, my father passed away, and uh, one of my coworkers uh, realized that, you know, I was falling off. And instead of getting help, instead of seeking mental help, you know, with the grief of my loss... I decided to get involved in cocaine, crystal meth, and ecstasy. And I didn't just like kind of start-ish. I mean, I literally, I didn't fall into drug abuse. I jumped in head first and, you know, started living that life. And as time passed, I was what people would refer to as a successful addict. I held my job. Um, I had no problems going to work. Uh, I scheduled my days off uh, with times that I wasn't going to use so I could actually get some sleep. And, you know, it was what it was. But I noticed at that point, and I also had a kick-ass side hustle of um, basically being a drug dealer. Uh it was what it was. Um, I, there's a special part in hell for people like me because of that. And I accept that responsibility, which is perhaps why I work so hard now uh, to keep people away from that life. Again, it was me. Been there. Done it. I did it. It is what it is. Uh, but aside from work and aside from my hustle, I noticed that I stopped talking to my friends. Uh, because they weren't my friends. They were either my customers, or in my frame of mind, they were like FBI agents. Again, if you, when you use crystal meth and cocaine and ecstasy, particularly combined, everybody is an FBI informant. It is what it is. But in any event, you know, time started going by, and uh, one day I got really sloppy, and I had a little bit of coke and some ecstasy pills. And I went to my martial arts school. And uh, they kind of fell out of my bag. And on that day, I was stripped of my rank in that school. And I was excommunicated from that school. And I was like, all right, cool. I did it. Whatever. But even at that point, my life was falling apart. I was still successful in my employment. But I didn't have friends at the time. Again, I had customers or people I just didn't trust. Um, I didn't go out as much. I wasn't enjoying life. I wasn't living my dream. I wasn't living up to my potential. And <clears throat> after... Probably about a year of that, of just being absolutely miserable, being completely high multiple days a week, 
and being absolutely miserable, I actually ended up having a visit from my father. He walked into my room. We had a conversation. At the end of the conversation, I realized my dad has been dead for a couple of years at that point. And I decided I was going to take his advice and walk away from that life. I walked away from everything that I knew. Everything that I was secure in because I was secure in my job because I was damn good at it. I was going to find another martial arts school, but again, not wasn't going to work. I was too you know, fucked up in my head to even make that be a thing. But I packed up a suitcase, a couple sets of clothes, nothing major. You know, keep in mind, these are the days where our phones literally weighed like 20 pounds. Um, laptops were not really common. And thank God there's no social media. And the cool thing about that is these were the days where when you bought a new phone, you actually had to program everybody's phone number into your phone. And that took a hell of a lot of time and effort. And at that point in time, uh, before I left Las Vegas, I didn't go by the name of Hannigan. Very few people actually knew my name. Uh, my people at work, of course, knew my name. Uh, the people who were involved with my dojo, they knew my name. Nobody else actually did. But in any event, I decided I lost everything. You know, due to my drug abuse, due to cocaine, crystal meth, and ecstasy, I lost everything. Not just on a financial level. That'll come into play here shortly. Not just losing my martial arts goal. I lost my soul. I lost my smile. I lost everything that I once was. And a big thing in recovery is we talk about getting stuff back. When I get done with this treatment program, I'll be able to do this again. I'll be able to do that again. When I left that life... I sat there and I moved to Kansas and I'd made the honest decision that I didn't want to get my old life back. My old life was a very unhappy life. I was focused on my job. I was focused on money and you know, that was the most important thing to me. When I started recovery, I started and rebuilt my life. I created a new life. So I didn't rebuild my life. I apologize. I misspoke. I did not rebuild my life. I created a new life. And I left all that shit behind. And I think that absolutely blows my mind. Is for one reason or another. You know there are individuals. Within the Jedi Realist community who actually talk about me in that time frame of my life. Now, the funny part and the true part about it is nobody in Jedi Realist community knew how I was at that point in time. I was on a couple of the old groups and the old Yahoo groups. Uh, maybe one or two of the forums was around then. But nobody knew me. Even nobody knew the name Hannigan. 
I didn't start going by that until I started recovery. Now let's talk about my recovery. I moved to Wichita, Kansas. And I lived with my sister. And we lived off of Pawnee and Broadway. Anybody outside of Wichita would be like, okay, those are some cross streets. All right, cool, whatever. Um, out here in Wichita, everybody who knows Pawnee and Broadway knows it's pretty much like drug aisle. You know, it's the back alley of Wichita. And I moved here and that's where I got sober. I went to recovery meetings. I had a sponsor. Um, I did a variation of the 12-step program. But it was a variation because I believed at the time, and part of me still does, is even though in recovery we say that it's not about religion, in a lot of ways, uh, a good number of recovery groups do push religion. And Christianity does not speak to me. You know, I had to find a higher power that was going to work for me. And, you know... Star Wars and Jedi realism, Jediism, you know, whichever uh, term you want to use, uh, literally became my higher power. I went through all the rebook, like all the books, like oh, how did how did get it going? All right, in recovery, um, no matter which group it is, they tend to use the AA Big Book, and the the concept of the Big Book in truth is to get you to identify with Bill and to understand that you may not have lived the same life as he did, but you're on similar life paths and you're an addict and, you know, to get you to identify with those points. In my opinion, that's what the big book has represented. And that didn't necessarily speak to me. Yeah, the be being an addict part spoke to me. You know, I got to look into the mirror and see the skeletal version of me. To see the soullessness aura that I was projecting. And again, I can identify as an addict. I can re identify as a recovering drug addict. But the big book wasn't quite for me. And so I went through... And I started rereading all the Star Wars books that was out at the time. The extended universe, perhaps that's why I'm so uh, adamant on how Jedi realism stemmed from the EU books. And perhaps that's why I have a natural dislike towards the Disney uh, verse of Star Wars. But in any event, that's when I started taking Jedi realism a lot more seriously. The Jedi Code, the Jedi Creed the Jedi behaviors became a part of my recovery and going through and saying, okay, this is what I believe a Jedi realist would be. Again, keep in mind, there were a couple forums, some Yahoo groups. Our community was not nearly as developed as this is now. We're talking 2003. Uh, a lot of people use fake names on the internet. Uh, there was no Facebook and shit like that. You know, that didn't exist. So it, it kind of, it was what it was. But in any event, when I moved here and started recovery and going through my 12 steps, 
you know, rebuilding myself. You know, everything that I once was was torn away. Drug abuse was a great tool in that. It literally helped me shed every part of my old life. And it gave me the ability to start a new life. And I totally love that. You know, it was a great thing. I, again, I got into my books and said, because this is what a Jedi realist is. This is the principles. And these are the guidelines that I need to live up to. And again, I started feeding my mind. I got back into Reiki. I got back into my spirituality. And the only part of my old life that I brought back was my love of martial arts. And for a bit, I would go to the Y, I would work out, fighting to get each and every pound. I don't understand recovery weight. Like, a lot of people will gain 15 pounds. It took me, like, a year to gain 15 pounds. But in any event, you know, and I was like, you know, there's something that I'm missing, and it was my martial arts. I missed being a martial artist. I missed going to classes. I missed the hardcore training sessions. And, you know, I really missed that. It was a part of my old life that I actually enjoyed. And that was the only part of my old life that I really, truly brought back. And I got involved in Taekwondo. And at my Taekwondo school, and I will actually name drop them because they are still a part of my life in one way or another. Um, Kim's Academy of Taekwondo, it's one of the bigger Taekwondo schools out here in Wichita. And, you know, through Taekwondo, I got the chance to once again be a martial artist. And I got to start off as a white belt all over again, and I totally loved it. It was awesome to be able to go to class and be a low rank and mess up and do you know look stupid and it was great and you know a part of jedi realism i stress a lot well two parts is fitness and martial arts i often stress that in my opinion i believe if you want to be a jedi knight within a jedi realist community within an order if you will you should be a black belt you should earn a black belt from a traditional martial arts style. I know it could a lot of help for that, but here's the deal. To become a black belt in a traditional martial arts style, it takes anywhere from three to five years. Some styles, such as judo or jiu-jitsu or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, can actually take longer than that. Again, we're going with the averages. And it's not about getting a black belt, because once you get a black belt, you're all barney badass and you can do whatever. It's about what you learn yourself as a human. What you learn about yourself <clears throat> as you are training for those three to five years. And I want to say I did get my black belt in Taekwondo in three years. And the reason why I did it in three was one, I started a good time so the testing process actually worked well for me. And two, Shaolin Kempo, Kempo Karate, Kickboxing, Taekwondo. From a physical point of view, 
they're very similar. They're all striking arts. A front kick is a front kick. A roundhouse is a roundhouse. Um, it it kind of it is what it is. The only thing I truly had to learn was the Taekwondo pumses. In karate, we would call them katas. In Kempo, I believe we also called them katas. But the forms, you know, and for me, learning forms was actually very easy. I really enjoyed it because katas were always part of my movie meditation. So learning Taekwondo pumses, it's the same concept. I got to A, learn the different pumses of Taekwondo, learn the spirituality of what those pumses represented. And again, it was part of my movie meditation and it was wonderful. And during those three years, I learned a lot about myself. You know, I was, you know, already started my recovery process. I already started, you know, rereading all the Star Wars books and grabbing the new books when they came out. And I really re not rebuilt. I really built a life. I made some great friends in Taekwondo. A few of them knew I was a recovering addict. A lot more had their suspicions because, trust me, it's not hard to spot off a recovering addict. It is what it is. Uh, we have a lot of telltale signs, and, you know, it's cool. It is what it is, I guess. Um, but in any event, at that point, I started building myself a new life. The Jedi Realist community uh, forums kind of started getting going. And then later on, social media started. And, you know, since then, it's been a great life. And, you know, this is the part that I do talk about. The part that's important to me. The part of when I was in active addiction. The part about how I got myself there. To me, are very boring things. And to have people come at me and say that. I need to answer for this, or I need to answer for that. You guys weren't a part of my life. I wasn't part of any Jedi Orders at that point in time when I was in active addiction. And in truth, <clears throat> you do not owe anybody any sort of explanation about anything that you've done in your past. You know, I admit I was a drug dealer. I sold enough to pay for my supply. Again, been there, done that. And thankfully, as far as I know, the legal ramifications of admitting that have long passed due. And again, shit, nobody knew my name anyway, so good luck with that. But in any event, this is the part that I want to focus on. The part of what I've done with my life since my addiction. And why it pisses me off that people want to hold my addiction against me. You know, say, oh, yeah, don't listen to Hannigan because he's a recovering addict. He's, you know, two steps away from relapse, yada, yada, yada. Guys, it's not about that. It never has been and never will be. If you do believe somebody is on the verge of a relapse, you actually work with that individual to help prevent that situation from happening. You do not do everything in your power to push an individual to a relapse. But 
you know, it's life. It is what it is. Again, I've been to hell and back. I've had a great life. It's been amazing. I've met some great people. I've had some incredible life experiences. You know, it's pretty badass to say that I have a podcast. It's pretty badass to say I've been a documentary. But it's more badass for me to say, you know, I still work with the people that got me to where I am today. I find more enjoyment working with people in recovery than I ever have on the Jedi social media cool kid sandbox thing. This is why I say, if you want to be a Jedi realist, it's a great community. It's something worth joining. There are some great orders out there. There are some horrible orders out there. you got to find the one that works for you. But most importantly, you have to take those lessons of your life. You need to take the lessons of Jedi realism and apply them to your life. Not just, you know, keyboard jedi you know. You have to do it. You know, you have to live that life. You have to do it within your community. You have to strive every day to help people around you. To make people better for knowing you. And that's the lesson of my life. Is once I manage to strip all the parts I once thought I was. I was able to focus on who I actually am and what I meant to do. So if you want to talk about I'm a recovering addict, feel free. I ain't going to stop you. You know, it's the biggest part of my mission, if you will. But do me a favor. If you want to talk about what I did in active addiction, you should probably talk to somebody who actually knows somebody who knew me at the time because my life is an open book i will answer a lot of questions as long as those questions do not involve other people simply because i can tell my story and i will tell my story but i will not tell other people's stories because those are not my stories to tell um I got my 19-year-old, uh, 19-year-old, whoo, yeah, let's try that one again. I got my 19-year sober keychain. Being away from cocaine, crystal meth, and ecstasy for 19 years. No relapses. Uh, the thoughts of relapse honestly still go through my head. I won't lie. There are times where I'm at work, I'm on my grind, and it's like, dude, I'm so tired. How am I going to make it through? And, yeah, those thoughts will come up. Or my depression will hit. And I think, well, if I just did this, you know, the depression will go away. You know, those thoughts are there. I don't run from them. I don't hide from them. I acknowledge those thoughts for being what they are reminders that there are things out there that would love to see us destroyed you know addiction uh it's a death sentence when you're in active addiction it's a death sentence particularly with fentanyl being as potent and as prominent as it actually is at least here in wichita kansas i don't know about anybody else but or anywhere else but it's out here 
And when you live in active addiction, the addiction will kill you at some point. Um, but in any event, that's pretty much it for today's episode. You know, my to hell and back. I <clears throat> admit, I don't talk about, and I've said it multiple times, I'll say it again. I don't talk about my years in addiction. Not because I'm ashamed of anything I've done, because I literally have nothing to be ashamed about. Um, but I don't want to glamorize it. It's not worth glamorizing. It's not a life that I would, would wish upon other people. And anybody who is in a recovery program, you know, they know you don't want to talk about it. You want to talk about what you've done since you started recovery, because that is what matters. If something happens to me and I am no longer alive, which I hope that's not a thing. Um, again, people can listen to my podcast. People can watch American Jedi. And people within my community, within my physical community, can say, hey, you know what? I knew MJ. He was a hell of a person. This is what he did with his life. This is what he did with the second chance that recovery gave him. And that's the life I'm about. That's the life that I am excited to say I'm a part of. I'm excited to say that, you know, I'm part of the Jedi Realist community. I'm part of Arcanea. I... I'm excited to say that, you know, I'm part of the recovery community in Wichita. I'm excited to say I do a lot of community service work out here. And, you know, it's great things. It's the life that, you know, fortunately I'm able to do. Fortunately, on a financial level, I'm good. You know, I'm also a homeowner. Paid off. I'm good. Uh, and that's all well and good. But it's what do I do with my time? How do I spend my time? You know, I get to spend my time with some great friends. I get to spend my time with great people. I get to focus on my training. And I get to enjoy this life. And I hope everybody else gets the same opportunities one day. Guys, get on your grind. Um, if you're dealing with active addiction, first and foremost, seek help. Um, check out recovery groups. Uh, I'm not going to push one group or another, but I am going to tell you. Uh, go to a couple of different meetings. Um, go to a couple of different groups and find one that fits for you. Recovery and the Jairo's community have one thing in common. Not every recovery hall is going to work for you. Like, not every martial arts style or school is going to work for you. Not every Jedi Realist group is going to work for you. You have to find one that is going to work for you. It might be a personality thing. It might be a time frame thing. There's a lot of different factors. So, again, if you're dealing with active addiction, please seek help. Because, you know, this is a deadly game that you play. And the longer you're out there, the more, the more chances things are going to go wrong. Same thing for those who are dealing with um, um, other issues, uh, mental or emotional traumas. 
uh, people who deal with bipolar, guys, it's okay to seek help. It's okay to tell people that you're depressed and that you need help. It's fine. If you are feeling suicidal, reach out. Call the suicide hotline. Um, call your local crisis you know, centers. Call your friends. Call your family. Reach out. Because nothing is that bad. Nothing is that terrible that you need to end your shit to make the pain go away. Because if you are successful in that, the pain's going to go away and so are you. So again, if you have those problems, reach out, seek help, because trust me, it is strength that takes people from active addiction to the recovery halls and to the recovery process. It is strength to admit that you are dealing with some shit and you don't know how to deal with it and you need help. It takes strength to admit that. It's not weakness. It is strength to admit times are difficult and you need help. But in any event, uh, you know, that's it for today's episode. I definitely went a hell of a lot longer than I intended to. I hope you got something out of it. And, you know, if you are dealing with active addiction and you want to contact me, uh, my number is on the Jedi Templar uh, Facebook page, uh, the 316 number, call it. If I don't answer the phone, I will call you back. If you want to message me, you know, on the Jedi Templar uh, Facebook page, you know, please do so. Or, you know, Michael J. Hannigan on Facebook, trust me, you'll find me. Uh, reach out and I'll do what I can to, uh, you know, answer any questions that you have or kind of point you in a direction of ways that, you know, will help you. Um, other than that, I guess I should also say, you know, if you want to donate to our channel, we appreciate it. There's a thing, it's like 99 cents a month, a thing for $4.99, a thing for $9.99. If you want to donate, if you want to contribute, please, we ain't going to stop you. Um, if you don't want to donate or if you can't donate, hey, that's cool. Our programs are free and it is what it is. Uh, please share the podcast links with you know your social media with groups with friends on and offline you know help us get the word out all right everybody thanks for listening uh love and light this is hannigan i'm out